Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Can we thank the Lord for the miracle of new life as shown through baptism? I want to pray. Can we pray together, church? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence that's with us. God, we thank you for how you move and you work. God, my prayer would be today, Lord, that as we saw the miracles of new life represented through baptism, God, that you would move and your spirit would break out in such a way in this place that so many miracles could happen, Lord Jesus, that we couldn't count them all. Lord, that you would allow faith to rise in each and every one of us. Your word says, if we have the faith of a mustard seed, that's enough, Lord, to move a mountain. And so, Lord, would you build faith inside of us? Lord, would you fill our hearts with hopeful anticipation for how you're going to move and work today, Lord? That today isn't just a day that we flip on the, uh, the channel and watch a service, Lord. Today isn't the day that we just drive up and walk into a church. But God, we're not going to leave here during this time the same because of how you move. So we embrace your presence, God, and we pray that your spirit would guide us, Lord, guide my words and guide our heart towards you. We ask this in the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. Are you guys ready to receive the word of the Lord today? Woo, man, I am ready. I have to tell you, church, that... uh, It was kind of funny, this message has been in my heart for a few weeks now. You see, uh, I've got to preach last weekend and this weekend, so you got me back to back. I'm sorry if you don't like me. I'll do my best to make up for last week or whatever, but I love you, uh, and I'm excited to uh, spend some time with you this morning. You see, as I was preparing the message uh, a few weeks ago, I was just praying. I was like, Lord, I know these times are coming up. I knew what scriptures I wanted to preach about, and I felt like the Lord gave me way more clarity for this week than last week, a few weeks ago. I'm like, God, you're a week ahead of schedule here. I just need you to keep things in order, but God doesn't work that way, right? Uh, Because our time is not uh, like the Lord's timing, and uh, thank goodness for that. But there's a word that keeps resonating in my heart, resonating in my spirit. It's this word, miracles. Everyone say miracle. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a miracle. Awesome. Well, this word miracle has been in my heart uh, today and these last few weeks, and I honestly believe this church. I believe in miracles. Do you know that? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe that the same God that did miracles when he walked this earth, Jesus Christ, when he healed people, can still do that today? We believe that, we believe that we serve a God that can do miracles, that meets us right where we are, that there are moments in time where the kingdom of heaven invades earth and God does a miracle in that moment. And so today this is my prayer that faith would build inside of you, that you would have hopeful anticipation for what the spirit is going to do. And so I wanna ask you a question, what miracle do you need today? Where's that place where you say, God, I'm trapped, I can't do anything other than rely on you. Please show up. Where is that place in your life? How many would just be willing to say, hey, in front of all these people that I'm not perfect and I need miracles? How many would say, yeah, that's me? How many would say, I need the Holy Spirit to work uh, and move in my life? And I want you to know today 
that your God cares, that your God sees you, that your God hears and takes notice, and that he's here with you right now. So I want you to keep this in the back of your mind as we move through scripture. We're gonna be in Exodus chapter 14, but I wanna tell you a story before we jump into Exodus chapter 14. You see, this is, this is a story hot off the presses, happened within this last week. You see, after I preached last weekend, some friends of ours uh, came up and said, hey, we're going to the lake today, you wanna go? Not one to pass up on a lake opportunity. I said, yes, let's go. And so we head out on the lake and uh, they have this really cool boat and this boat has a slide that comes off the second level of the boat. Next level right there, right? Never seen anything like it in my life. And so we go out to the spot in the lake because the kids are like, we wanna go swimming. And uh, we stop and I see this slide, I'm like, all right, we gotta do this, right? And so those of you who don't know, I'm afraid of heights. I wish I wasn't, but I am. It is pretty high off the water, but I'm like, dude, my kids are watching me, there's people around, I just gotta go. So I get up there and I slide down it, and I was like, woo, you know, that was fun. Once you actually commit and do it. But then my nine-year-old daughter says, I'm going next. And I said, you go, girl. Well, let's go, fearless. Come on, you got this. Climbs up the ladder, gets on the slide. <sighs> Honey, come on. <sighs> Let's go. Other people want to get on the slide. Come on. <sighs> Dad. <sighs> All right, I'm going to count to three. Count down three, two, one. She's like, okay, okay. Three, two, one, go. Wait, dad, 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 wait, 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 wait. You know what I'm talking about, right? What's wrong, honey? I want you to do this. Just, you're gonna love it. Once you commit, once you take that step, once you go, man, you're gonna love this. Dad, what if I don't like it? And this slide's like, I don't know, five to seven feet off the water. What if it's too high? Oh, honey, you're fine. You'll love it. Just go. Dad. What if there's sharks in the water? I said, honey, it's a lake. You don't have to worry about that. Just giant catfish here. I'm kidding. I didn't say that. That would not have helped. And she, uh, three, two, one. Honey. If you don't go right now, I'm gonna come up there and push you off. Oh no, you're not. Mm. I'm gonna come up there and throw you off the top. You're coming off there one way or another. Stop it, dad. Fine, fine. So eventually I was like, well, you're gonna need to get down if you're not gonna go because there's other people that wanna go and okay, so. She gets down and then I say, all right, it's time to leave. We gotta get back, gotta have dinner. Dad, I'm gonna try it again. Oh, brother, here we go. No, Dad, I, I mean it this time. Goes up there, sits there. She doesn't want anyone to count because it's her decision. She's like, watch. 
splash. And I'm watching the water. Her head's getting ready to come up. And she's like, yeah! And I was like, yes, I'm so proud of you. I'm glad you did it. Are you glad you did it? Yeah, she's like, I'm going again. No, we got to go. Five more times. She got out of the water. I gave her a, a big hug. Because I was like, man, I'm so proud of you. That was so brave of you uh, to take that step. And once you did it, you were happy you did. But it makes me think about the story we're getting to talk about today. Because if you're one of those people where you're up on the edge of the slide, ready to take a step, but kind of scared, knowing you'll be happy that you do, but you're kind of holding back, that feels like an eternity, doesn't it? An eternity with all eyes on you, everyone's watching you. How do you get the courage to take that step? Or maybe on a more serious note, have you ever been in a place of desperation, so desperate that the only thing you could do is cry out to God for help? You see, in Exodus chapter 14, which is where we're gonna be, I'm calling it walking through your miracle. Walking through your miracle. Because I realized this about miracles, that a lot of times miracles are a process. That God's timing isn't our timing. That God's ways aren't our ways. How do we walk through our miracle? How do we walk through a place where I need God to show up more than anything else? And we find in the book of Exodus chapter 14 here, if you wanna open up your Bibles, that the people of Israel are getting ready to walk through their miracle. You see, they had just left Egypt. They had been slaves for over 400 years. The Bible says 430 years they were slaves. And the way that God did it is he appealed to their leader, Moses, and said, Moses, I'm gonna use you to lead them out, but to convince Pharaoh, which was the king of Egypt, to let you go, I'm gonna have to do these signs and wonders that we call plagues. So the 10 plagues, right? Have you heard of these things? And it fin the finished with the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn, or the people in Israel called the Passover. Where the Egyptians just weren't getting in, God said, all right, fine, I'm gonna have to take the firstborn of every family and every animal. And so the death angel goes into the land of Egypt and all of the firstborn, children and adults and Animals die, except for the people of God, because God said, hey, here's what I want you to do. Slaughter a lamb and take its blood and put it over your doorframe, and when the death angel comes, I'm gonna pass over so you'll be safe. And so there's this Passover moment, and what we find in Scripture, there was about 600,000 plus Israelites, I think that was just the men, that were getting ready to come out of that nation, and Pharaoh grabs Moses in the middle of the night right after this happens and says, listen, you can't stay here. You have to leave. And so the Bible tells us that the people of Israel, before they left, and they grabbed all their stuff together, went and knocked on the neighbor's doors and took all of the gold and silver and riches of Egypt, and they, they started to head off into the desert because the Lord said, hey, I'm gonna be with you, and the Lord says, I'm gonna lead you by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. Just follow where the pillar goes. There was a short path to the promised land, but God said, I know you're not ready for the short path, so I'm gonna take you on the long way, 
which most of us, if we're being honest, say I don't like taking the long way, which is why I have three GPS apps on my phone to find out which is the quickest. Yeah, yeah. And they find themselves at the banks of the Red Sea. Unable to get across, the Lord says to Moses, and I believe this is Exodus chapter 14, verse three. He says, I want you to turn back. Move back away, and then it says, then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They're going in circles. They're trapped in the wilderness, these silly people. They left the land, and they don't even know where to go. And so the Bible tells us that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh saw this. He said, oh, those silly rabbits. Tricks are for kids, right? They're stuck. And he says, I'm going to get our war machine out. And he gets all of these fierce chariots, which were the most terrifying war machines of their era. All my best charioteers and my soldiers, and we're going to chase them down, and we're going to get our money back, and we're getting our slaves back. Because how many know this, that once you've lived a life of slavery to something, that it chases after you and wants you back? But it was a setup. Because the Lord said, hey, I want you to move here and he's gonna think that they're trapped and so they're gonna bring the army and they're gonna come after you and I'm gonna defeat them. Well, even though we kind of see this, that the Lord is doing this, the people of Israel had not learned to trust the Lord yet. Moses trusted the Lord, but they didn't trust the Lord yet and so they panicked probably like you do. What we do when we freak out, we panic. What do we start to do? We start to complain. Any complainers in here? Most of us don't want to raise our hand on that one. But they start to panic and they do like one of my, my pet peeve moments here. And I have to tell you, it's my pet peeve when it happens to me, not when I do it. Why did you bring us out into the wilderness to die? Exodus 14, 12. Didn't we tell you this would happen? That's my pet peeve. I told you so. Mm. I like to say it, but I don't like to receive it, right? Anyone like that? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we're still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. We can read that and say, why would they do that? Don't they know that God is just gonna split the waters and they're getting ready to walk through the Dead Sea and it's, or the Red Sea and it's gonna be really cool? But they didn't know that yet. They hadn't learned to trust the Lord yet. And I think sometimes when we're facing our miracles, when we're in this situation where we feel like we're trapped, one of the best things we can do is remember that sometimes something bigger than me is at play. Something larger than my life is at play because we get so singularly focused on what we need that maybe if we were able to pull back and say, God, what are you doing here? God, how do you wanna move? How do you wanna work? Because God wants to do something amazing, but so often I think it's easy when we face opposition to wanna return to the place we came from. Not because it's good, but it's because we know it. 
And when we know it, we think we can control it. But really, I find it interesting, they're bent to desire to retire, try to return to slavery. How quickly we'll trade our situation for what we know. How quickly when we enter a tough time, we turn on the Lord. God, why? God, if you were real, why would you let this happen? God, if you're good, how would you allow this to happen, right? This is part of grief and processing through situations. And thankfully, the Lord doesn't just say, you know what, I'm done with you. He doesn't just say, hey, get out of my sight, get out of my presence, you of no faith, see ya, I'm done talking to you. Because in this time, I think that God was up to something so significant that would change history and would maybe give us a glimpse into God's redemptive plan for humanity. But Moses, who trusts the Lord, he goes to the people, and this is verse 13. He says, don't be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And as I was studying the Hebrew here, uh, and I'm no Hebrew scholar, but I saw the word rescue, and I'm like, what does that mean? And the Hebrew word uh, for that is Yeshua. Another word for that is salvation. Another translation of this would say, stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord today. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we find out the Hebrew name for Jesus is also Yeshua, which means to rescue, save, or deliver, that the salvation of the Lord is getting ready to happen there in that moment. And one of the things, if I could take a small aside here, whenever you read the Old Testament, I want you to look for Jesus. I want you to look for opportunities in the places where God is showing salvation and redemption to his people, right? Because we always wanna read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. And that's what we're trying to do here today. And I, I can imagine he says, hey, watch the salvation of the Lord. Stand still. And, and I wanna tell you, this is Exodus 14, 13, and 14. Some of y'all need to circle that in your Bible and hang on to that for a while and put it in your mirrors and in different places and put it on your screensavers because this is a promise of God? Or at least Moses said it was, and so I can imagine this conversation with Moses and God where he goes to God and says, all right, God, I said something really bold here. You're gonna have to save these people because I told him you would. I put your name on the line, God, so don't make me look silly. I need you to do this, right? And I love God's response because it's one of those like dad moments. Then the Lord said to Moses, verse 15, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Why are you crying? Let's move. And I love this moment because these people that didn't trust the Lord completely says, why are they sitting here and wallowing and crying about everything when I'm getting ready to do something and I want to see them move? Do you know this, that most of the time, you're taking notes, write this down. Most of the time that we see miracles happen in scripture, it normally requires an act of faith or an act of movement. 
that when you see a miracle happen, God wants you to take a step, that God's gonna do his part and we're gonna trust God. But God also requires from us a step of faith normally. That miracles require action steps and movements on our behalf. And so we find that God tells Moses, he says, hey, raise out your hands over the water. And when that happens, I'm gonna start splitting the sea. And the Bible tells us a wind blew at night. And what happened is they ended up with these giant sea walls with dry ground in the middle of them. It's God, God's job and God's part to split the sea. But it's our part to take a step. It's God's job to split the sea, but we take the step. And the Bible says in Exodus 14, verse 22, so the people of Israel walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. When God makes a way, you have to take a step. I can imagine that scene, can't you? Can you imagine being the person in the front of the line? There's these giant walls of water and there's this ground and I almost look at it this way. If you've ever seen any of those videos about the dynamics between the oldest, middle, and youngest child, have you seen these before? That the oldest child at the front of the line is probably like, okay. That looks dry, but it probably isn't. I don't know, that water could come down, like they're assessing all of the risks and they want everyone to be safe and perfect and they're probably maybe walking up to the edge and maybe like poking the ground. Is it really the way it looks? And then while they're doing that, the middle child is sprinting through the middle of it. Woohoo! Come on, let's go! And the, the youngest is sipping the juice box. Let's go, come on. But can you imagine being that person on the edge that needs to take that first step into that place? I know I should do it. I know I should do it. But God, what if? What if things don't work out the way I want them to? What if this changes my life? Like my daughter on the slide, what if I don't like it? What if there's sharks in the water? What if, God? You see, it's not fear that moves us forward, it's fear that holds us back. That when we have fear, we stand on the edge and we say, I know I should do it, but I'm just not comfortable. I'm not ready to take that step. I'll wait till next week. God, I'll wait till next week. God, I'm gonna do it eventually. But we stay frozen and stuck on the side of the Red Sea and God is part of the waters and God is not going to go up to us and say, you know what, if you don't move, I'm gonna push you off. But he says, I want you to trust me. And in that moment of trust, I want you to take that step. What if we get to the point of courage where we say, God, I don't know how this is gonna work out, but if you're up to something far bigger than me, I'm gonna take a step. And after I take that first step, I'm gonna take 
the next step, and then the step after that, knowing that when I do take the step, it will change the course of your life forever. It will change your future. It will change your destiny. It will change where you're headed. And so I ask you today, church, what step is the Lord calling you to take? As you find yourself on the edge of the Red Sea, knowing God is parting the waters and he has a movement that he wants you to take, And here's my fear. My fear would be that we would be a people that spend years on the edge of the sea when God is calling us into something greater. When he's calling us to a place where he says, hey, trust me, it may look like there's waves on the outside and an enemy behind you, but I got this handled if you would just trust me and walk. Because here's the truth about miracles, and I can preach a whole sermon on this next part, but I'll do it quick. Sometimes a miracle is a journey. We want a miracle to be now, but sometimes it's a journey. Secondly, walking through a miracle can be difficult. Sometimes it's hard to take that first step. It's not always easy. And number three, miracles don't always look the way we want them to because we're not in control, because we have to release this notion of miracles that God is like a genie that, you know, we rub the lamp and God pops out and says, yes, what would you like? Well, God, I'm facing the situation. Here's how I want you to do it. God says, all right, you have three wishes. Boom, done, and we're good. (laughs) But that's not the way it works, right? Because the truth is that I think a lot of times we view miracles as an end all. That if only God, God, if if only this would happen. God, if only you would heal me. God, if only you would move. God, if only you would work in this specific way, then my life is complete. Then I'm good. But the reality is, is that on the other side of your miracle is a journey. That God has a purpose for your miracle and a purpose for what he's doing because the people of Israel, as they went through the Red Sea, you know on the other side of that, they didn't just walk into the promised land and it was all blissful and good. No, they still walked through the wilderness. They still went through the wilderness. They still found themselves fighting battles. And the same goes for us, that we still have something to do on the other side of our miracle, right? I'm reminded of the story of Lazarus. Have you heard this story, right? Jesus' best friend or one of his best friends dies. And so Jesus goes a few days later and he does the unthinkable. He raises him to life. Whoa. But you know what? Lazarus died someday. Like that was a really awesome thing, but God had to be up to something because Lazarus' life ended up being finite there. That a lot of times we think miracles are the end all be all, but miracles are simply a moment in the journey and what God is doing through your life. That the greatest miracle you can experience is the miracle when Jesus transforms your heart and you receive eternal life. That's what we search for. That's what we cry out to God for. God, save me because I want to be with you forever. Now, God does care in the moment about your life. But I think if we realize the gravity of the moment that we're walking through, maybe we wouldn't be so quick to sprint through our miracle. I imagine the people of Israel, once they started taking the step and they're They're walking through, I just imagine walking with my kids. 
that middle child, man, they've already tested the limits and they're running ahead and they're going up to the wall of water saying, hey, dad, look, woo, get your hand out of there. What are you doing? You're gonna drown us all, woo. Or better yet, you know, getting in the side of, uh, of the water or it, what would it look like as you're walking through, right? One of our staff members was joking about how they would just take their fishing pole and they would walk through there. You know, I would be going and my, my kids literally be running in and out of the water and I'm thinking, dude, I just wanna get to the other side, get me out of this. But somehow they find a way like a child to have a fun time in that moment as they're walking through it, right? The Bible says uh, that we need to have faith like children enter the kingdom of heaven. That what if while we're walking through our miracle and in that situation, even though we know in this story that they are being pursued by a mighty army and there are sea walls around them of water ready to crash at any moment, what if we were able to walk through those moments with wonder and say, God, this is really cool. What are you doing right now? God, what do you want to do right now? What's the purpose here? What's the why behind it? And I wrote a few different things that I think maybe shows the purpose of our miracles. And the first is this. The purpose of a miracle first is to show God's love. It shows the character and nature of God and God is love. Secondly, Miracles show God's power or dominion over all things. That the same God that created and spoke the universe into existence can speak over your situation and things can happen there. And third, and I think most importantly, it's to lead others to relationship with God. That God does miracles so that other people can hear and see the story and find their heart move towards Jesus. And it hit me as I was preparing this story in this message today, I was looking at the, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter one, verses nine and 10, and this is during the creation story when God created the universe. The Bible says, then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear, and that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas and God saw that it was good. And it was just one of these like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're blowing my mind right now. Have you ever had that happen? You might say, what are you talking about? Well, we find that when God created the universe, one of the first things that he did is he split the waters from the ground to provide a place for his people to live so that creation could happen that when the people of Israel were walking through this ground, this dry ground surrounded by waters, God used that same, very same language, wording, opportunity to prove that God was creating something brand new for his people. And the same stands true for us that as God parts the water and we're walking through our miracle, God is doing a new thing. God is creating something brand new inside of you. And so like I said earlier, once you get to the point where you take that step, when you're walking through your miracle, God's saying, I'm doing something brand new. You are becoming something new. Your life is forever changing. I'm creating something inside of you. And we know that 
he had to defeat the army of Egypt once and for all. And so we find in scripture that the people of Israel finally make it through and uh, the cloud of the Lord relents and they, the, the chariots start chasing after the people of Israel. I'm like, what? That's some crazy dudes right there, chasing through dry ground with the walls of water around. But interestingly enough, we find in scripture that for some reason their chariot wheels start to get stuck and they start to fall apart and then the the Egyptians who thought they were in control the whole time start to panic. And they say, we gotta get out of here, the Lord's fighting for them. Run, run, run. At the same time, the Lord is looking at Moses saying, hey, I want you to take your hands and I want you to move it back over the water and at that moment, the sea walls collapsed on the enemies of the Israelites and were defeated once and for all. And so I was reading something earlier this week and it just said the liberation of the people of Israel would only be complete once they had their Red Sea moment. That God needed to destroy what was chasing them, what was trying to destroy them, the things of their past that wouldn't let go of them, that he needed to wash them away. And this is where we get to baptism. Because we find this beautiful part of scripture where Jesus dies on the cross for the sins of the world. The enemy thought it had defeated Jesus. But it was a setup. Because Jesus dies on the cross and we realize that he defeats death completely three days later when he was raised to life out of the grave. And that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we experience the miracle of new life and salvation through Jesus Christ, we say you need to be baptized. And it's very similar because when we're baptizing someone, we we take them and we dunk them under the water and we say, buried in his death. All of the things that were sin and evil, all of these other things that Jesus took care of in the cross are going under the water and they're washed away. And we pull them out of the water and we say, raised to new life in Jesus Christ, that once you have your Red Sea moment, once you've surrendered your heart to Jesus and you've taken that step, God takes all of the fears and failures and all these other things that are pursuing you and they washes them away. Because scripture also tells us that if we are in Christ, we're a new creation that God is doing something brand new inside of us and God is working in such a way uh, that only he can work. And I want you to think about this as we leave our Egypt, pursued by our doubts, our failures, those battles in our minds, those things that seek to enslave us, God says, don't be afraid, get moving. Walk across the ground that I've separated out of chaos for you. Watch me defeat your enemy because you are becoming a new creation. I'm doing something brand new inside of you. You see here in just a moment, church, we're gonna worship and receive some testimony on the screen. 
And the purpose of testimony is to build faith and encourage worship. But one of the things that I talked about when it comes to miracles, believing that God has a miracle for you, that God wants to do a miracle in your situation, is that it often requires movement and a step from us. And so church, I'm gonna be a little bold this morning. I'm gonna ask for a couple different steps from you. I'm gonna ask you to take a step off the bank of the Red Sea and out into the sea, into the ground that God is separating for you, knowing that once you take that step, you cannot go back, that your life changes forever. And so as we receive these testimonies this morning, I'm gonna come back after the testimonies and talk with you, but I want you to look at your situation. I want you to be encouraged but here's your first step today, church. I'm gonna ask that if you're ready to take that step, and think about it right now, what is it? I want you to stand with me right now. Don't just stand because I ask you to, but if you're ready to take that step saying, God, I trust you, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna step out into my miracle, and I'm gonna walk through this miracle, and I'm gonna trust you, Jesus, on the journey. Just as you stand today and we worship, I want you to imagine God fighting for you. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer.
testimonies today. Woo! God is good, isn't he? God is faithful. And here's the truth. For those five families, God is showing up. Some of them have received their miracle, but most of them, if you've seen, are still walking through their miracle. And I want you to know that God has a miracle for you today. I believe that. That we're not done here. That God has something he wants to do in your life if you'll be so bold. As you'll be so bold to take a step out. You see, in a moment, we're getting ready to sing this song called House of Miracles. And it was kind of crazy a few weeks ago. We're just like worshiping like normal. And Fred comes and grabs us and says, hey, I need you to pray for Terry. Terry, in the midst of her treatments, is suffering terrible rib pain and suffering from broken ribs. And she's hurting right now. So he said, all right, let's go pray. And so we grabbed the people of God and we just started to cry out while we were worshiping. And just thought, man, that was a cool moment. Well, then the next week, Terry comes up to me. I was talking to someone and, and, and she just walks over and she starts doing this. Look, she says, I'm healed. It worked. Yeah, we can praise the Lord for that, right? I heard a woo over there. Come on, let's get excited about that because we serve a miracle working God. And so here's what I want you to do. Actually, if you're part of our prayer team right now, uh, or if you're one of our elders or licensed ministers, I want you to come forward right now. If you're part of our prayer team, come on forward. Uh, our elders and our, our prayer warriors are gonna be down front and you see something's gonna happen up in this space today that I believe that some of you right now, as we're talking about the miracle that you need, your heart was beating out of your chest, and you're saying, I know I need God to do a miracle, but I'm not sure I'm strong enough. I'm not sure I'm courageous enough to take a step. But church, you don't have to do it on your own. You're not alone. You are surrounded by people who time after time, when God calls us to take a step, we say, we trust you, Lord, and we're gonna take that step today. And so church, we hooked up our uh, team with anointing oil because the Bible says this. It says that if you're sick or if you're in need, go to the elders of the church, and that's these guys, that's us. Have them anoint you with oil and pray over you for healing. 
believing that this oil represents the blood of Christ shed for you where scripture says it's by his stripes we're healed. It's representative of God's spirit being poured out over top of you. And so church, person that came today, I'm gonna ask you to do something crazy. I'm gonna ask you to step off the banks of the river and I'm gonna ask you to come down these aisles and pray and be anointed together. If you're afraid, I want you to grab someone to go with you and just say, come pray with me. I don't care if you don't know them, they're gonna come pray with you. And we're gonna invite you down to the front and if you're one of those people that says, you know what, I need to give my heart to Jesus, we're not gonna make it easy for you today because I believe that God is calling you to take a step. And I want you to come down to one of these places in the front and I want you to tell someone directly, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Because once you take that step, your life will never be the same. Your future is changed forever. And so church, I'm gonna ask you to do something kinda crazy for those that are taking those steps, just like I did for my daughter. Where I was like, three, two, one, we're not gonna do three, two, one, that's cheesy but I want you to take a moment and celebrate the decisions and the miracles that are about to happen in this place with faith. Can we do that, church? Do we believe that we serve a miracle working God? And so as we sing House of Miracles, this is your altar, this is your place. Step out, be bold, have courage, and let's see what God does in this place, in us and through us today. Let's continue to worship together. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.